This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Boy, was I dead wrong. I thought the Stars were going to be dead in the water, and they rose and at least forced a Game 5 tomorrow back in Vegas. And it's not quite the same as what happened in Carolina because their game, you know, the disgraceful Game 3 performance in Dallas losing 4 nothing, but otherwise all the other three games have ended in overtime and one of them finally goes to Dallas and they find a way to try to crawl back into the series. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do it, but it was nice for them to be able to bounce back after the embarrassing performance in Game 4. And i got to tell you, I'm a big Joe Pavelski guy. He's been in this league 17 years. He's never won a Stanley Cup. His only appearance in a Stanley Cup final, um, I guess, was the, the Shark year. And then I'm um, just trying to see, was he on that Dallas team that went to the final in the bubble? I'd have to look that up and see. Uh, but the fact is, he's never won a Stanley Cup. So good for him to be able to get that goal and, and, and have that moment at the age of 38 years. Uh, it's pretty cool. And, and I've always had a kind of a soft spot in my heart. I'll be honest with you. Um, you guys do. I grew up a Devil fan, and obviously I'm a Ranger guy now and, and all that. But I've always had an affection for the San Jose Sharks when they first came into the league. I love the teal uniforms. And when I did NHL Live back in the day with EJ, um, the, the, the show was actually on in the room in San Jose because the show was a new the show was on from 10 to noon. I'm trying to remember now because it was so long ago. Um, and it, it was right in the wheelhouse of when they'd have the morning skate in San Jose. So a lot of the West Coast teams would watch us. And for some reason, the Sharks were really cool, always got us guests. Um, Tom Holy was the PR director then. He since moved on to Dallas, um, but he was the PR director then. And, and he, he, he was really good at getting us guests. And I remember the first game I ever did in San Jose was probably 08, 09, Around that time, so you had like Ryan Klo, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, uh, Pavelski was there, uh, and it was cool because when I walked in there, they all had recognized me, which was kind of like shocking to um, a lot of the Ranger people, like you know, like Dave Maloney and like what, why and Sam Rosen was like, why are they recognizing you? And like because they all they actually would have the game, they would have NHL live on in the dressing room there, which was like pretty cool. So I always got along with a lot of the Sharks. Joe Thornton was always a, a really really uh, cool guy to me, and, and Pavelski. So I've had a, a, like a soft place in my heart for all of the the sharks the former sharks and all that and pavelski one of those last guys standing and so it's kind of cool that um that he got the goal last night and we'll see if dallas can at least force a game six so it looks like the stanley cup final is is kind of set if the vegas golden knights win tomorrow then game one of the stanley cup final will be may 31st if Dallas forces a game six or beyond, possibly to a game seven, we won't start until June 3rd. So we at least kind of have an idea of when the Stanley Cup final can begin. So kind of looking forward to that, and we'll see if it's going to be Vegas and Florida. Um, It looks like it probably will be Vegas, although Dallas is trying to make some sort of a statement here, and we'll see if it flies. Now, Florida finally finishes the deal. And... I don't know if Anthony's got the cut ready. I didn't ask him for this before we started recording. But if he could possibly look up and play the Brindamore, it's kind of gone viral where you know they get swept in four games. Of course, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. And he refuses to believe that they actually 
got swept. He's like, we didn't get swept, even though they did. So uh, let's hear what Rod Brindamore had to say after that Game 4 loss in the final seconds on another goal from Matthew Kachuk. He's going to look back and everyone's going to say he got swept. And That's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're, we're in the game. We didn't get, we didn't lose four games. We, we got beat, but it's, you know, we were right there and this could have went the other way and this could have been four games the other way. I mean, it's not the most articulate statement in the world, okay? So I kind of understand where people are kind of poking fun at him, but I, I get it. I understand what he's trying to say. You lost four games all by one goal, and three of the four were in overtime. I mean, you could not get swept any closer than Carolina did. I, I want to remember, Anthony might be able to look at it. I think it was like in the late 90s, the Red Wings beat the Ducks, and like every game went to overtime. It was a sweep, but it was like kind of a similar situation where all the games were very competitive. So you walk away and you say, all right, we got swept. But swept... In the literal sense, swept is you lost all four games. So he really isn't making any sense from the literal interpretation. But when you hear you got swept, if I just said uh, you know, didn't follow any of the games, didn't didn't give the scores, and you know, I just happened to be you know in Japan and wasn't following the conference final at all, and I come back and go, you know, Anthony, what happened with the Hurricane Panther series? And all he told me was that the Panthers swept the Hurricanes. Just based on that information, you would say, all right, well, it was a walkover. The Panthers just wiped the floor with the Hurricanes and moved on to the Stanley Cup final. But what Brendamore is trying to say, if you watch these games, and we watched every minute of these games that it was as competitive as can be. I mean, one bounce here or there, and this series is still going on. You know, even if it's 3-1, um, you know, there's still going to be a game five because Carolina would have found a way to win one game. And you know, the one game that didn't go to overtime, you know, it was uh, it was one goal. And, and again, it didn't go to overtime in game four, but it, in, all, in all intents and purposes, it did. A goal scored with less than five seconds to go. So two overtime games, one goal was scored with less than five seconds to go. The other game was one nothing. It was just, um, it was incredible what the Panthers are able to do. And, and we've talked about it being reminiscent of the Los Angeles Kings of 2012 uh, because of the fact that they were an eight seed and, and really just were dominant in the playoffs, uh, how well they just handled everybody getting to the Stanley Cup and then eventually beating uh, the Devils in six after taking a 3 nothing series lead. But the other team it kind of reminds me of is that 93 Montreal Canadiens team where I don't think anybody's really expecting to win the Cup. They won, what, I think 10 games in overtime during that stretch. They were just an incredible run. Um, John LeClaire was scoring game-winning goals almost every night, it seemed. And and Patrick Waugh played, of course, like Patrick Waugh, and they won the Stanley Cup in five games over the Los Angeles Kings. But it kind of has that feel where just, like, refuse to lose. We're not going to lose. And we've talked about it here on the podcast that it's, oh, it's an eight seed. Oh, my God. Regular season doesn't mean anything. But um, somebody tweeted me this, and, 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 and I, I was thinking about the same thing. You know, they won the President's Trophy last year, uh, and now they won the Stanley Cup. Well, the same thing happened to Colorado two years ago, and then they won the Stanley Cup the next year. Uh, sometimes that happens where you're, you're still good. It's just that it didn't come out until late. You're, you're kind of a late, like a late bloomer. But a lot of the pieces that won the President's Trophy last year are still on this team. And if you break down that deal with Calgary – 
uh, obviously the Panthers won the, the the deal. There's no question. They got Matthew Kachuk, who's just been amazing. He's, if they go on to win, it's going to be between him and Bobrovsky, and who's going to win the Conn Smythe as the playoffs MVP. You know, Huberto obviously didn't get uh, Calgary to the playoffs. Uyghur was a really tough thing to give up, and we'll see what that uh, first-round pick in 2025 turns out to be. So there's still a possibility that Calgary could at least feel better about the trade, but it just took a while for it to kind of come together, and now it really has. So uh, you can look at it as, oh, how did this, a miracle, but a lot of the same players were a part of a President's Trophy team the year before. I think their coach is better. No offense to Andrew Burnett, who, by the way, apparently is interviewing for the Columbus Blue Jackets job. Uh, He was an assistant with New Jersey and, of course, was the head coach of Florida last year, taking over for Joel Quinville, who was forced to resign. So if if that thing didn't happen in Chicago and Joel Quinville didn't resign... You know who knows what the Panthers would have been this year. The cohesiveness. Remember, they were they were unbelievable when Quinville stepped down. They got us off to an, just an unbelievable start. They had an historic season, and um, I would think Quinville, being a, a guy that won three Stanley Cups, would have them better prepared for this year. You wouldn't have had to make uh, the changes from the coaching staff if Joel didn't have to resign, and if they still make that deal. You know, if Zito still pulls off that deal, we could be talking about a team that would have been a much higher seed than eight this year. So congratulations to the Florida Panthers. Uh, It's been a lot of fun watching them, and I think they've got an excellent chance uh, to win the Stanley Cup. That team you were thinking of is the 92 Detroit Red Wings losing in four to the Blackhawks in the Norris Division Finals. That's right. And, yeah, I knew it was the Red Wings. I forget who they played. I I don't know if they won or lost, but it happens. You know, so Anthony and I were on the same page um, with what Brenda Moore said. Like, we we brought it up during the Michael K. show with ENN, and, Kay was like, oh, he's out of his mind. Oh, so you don't agree with I'm kind of on Michael's side with this one. Really? I just, he said they didn't lose four games. I know, but he's, again, he's, he, but he's not did. a public speaker. All right? I, I, he, but you, you know where he's coming from. In ENN, right? I wrote, everybody but Rod Brindamore thinks the Panthers <laughs> swept the hurricane. I can't argue with you from the I don't sheer disagree with definition your of the words that were said. I don't disagree with your premise of what you're saying that, yes, <laughs> right. it was close games. But when he goes, I watched the games, we didn't lose four of them. You did lose four of them. I know. So but that, I, I'm being very literal in the in the definition of it. But. Right. And, and, and listen, you win. You and Michael win. From the sheer definition of the words he expressed, he's wrong. But I think the message uh, you, you can understand. Yes. Didn't articulate it perfectly, but I think the sentiment was received that that was a lot more competitive of a series than I would say 99.9% of the sweeps you see in the other three sports that have the format. Uh, that that might have, you could make the case. I'd have to sit there and break it down. NBA, MLB, NHL. Probably the closest four-game sweep that you've ever seen um, outside of that uh, 92. And, and we're, we're going back over 30 years there. So, um I'm, I, I've got Brendan Moore's back there. We didn't get a chance to talk about it um, over the last couple of days, but the NHL announced on Tuesday that there's going to be a stadium series in February at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the first game will be the Devils and the Flyers, followed by the Rangers and the Islanders. Um, stadium series, people have to realize, at least from the way I look at it, and I want to get Anthony's point on this, Winter Classic to me, the whole premise, and I remember being at the first one and promoting the first one and all that with the Penguins and the Sabres, and the idea of the Winter Classic, the whole vibe of that, 
is the venue is as important as the game. Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, like just trying to find the venue, you know, playing in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, the, the, the venue is as important as the event and the teams that are playing in it. And so that's why it was always important to find, you know, in a, a, a unique park, you know, like, you know, find a baseball stadium, an old timey stadium and, and, and do that, you know. So now is City Field that? No, but at least, you know, City Field, it was new. It's a baseball stadium. There, there's something to it. I always looked at the stadium series as being it's just about the teams getting a chance to play outdoors that normally wouldn't get a chance at that opportunity. Like when the Kings and the and the uh, Ducks played at Dodger Stadium. Yes, the venue was interesting, but you know the Ducks and the Kings aren't normally going to get winter classics, you know. Um when they played at Yankee Stadium the the, the Islanders and the Devils both played games against the Rangers. Same premise. It's like, you know, yeah, the Rangers are going to get to Winter Classics, but the Islanders and the Devils aren't. Same thing here. Flyers, Rangers, yeah, they're going to have their share of Winter Classics, no question. Devils and Islanders aren't going to get that. So why not just find a unique place? Big stadium holds 80,000 people. Um, and, and it's a good idea. I mean, obviously, Rangers-Islanders speaks for itself. Devils-Flyers is a nice rivalry. I mean, they, they have met a bunch of times, not not in recent vintage, certainly, but if you go back to the history, of course, the Devils winning the Cup in 95, had to play the Flyers in the conference final. Uh, they were able to do that. If you go back, uh, you know, to, to the many in 2000, the Devils came back from 3-1 down to, to win and advance and win a Stanley Cup. So, um the last games that uh, that Scott Stevens and Scott Niedermeyer played were uh, in a series that they lost out in, in 04 to the Flyers. So there's a history there. And plus, a lot of Flyer fans will obviously come up from Philly, drive up the turnpike, and, 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 and head out to MetLife Stadium. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward in February. Super Bowl will already be over. Uh, kind of a downtime as far as sports are concerned in that kind of February, waiting for baseball to start. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see um, how competitive all the teams are going to be. I would think all, at least three of the four, right? I mean, three of the four went to the playoffs this year. And then, of course, you got uh, the Flyers, who I hope will will be better uh, moving forward with uh, Keith Jones as president of the team. So wanted to get, get my two cents out there about that. It will be uh, the first games inside of an air conditioner, so there's that. Yeah, or, or, or actually a first, uh, first games ever played behind a Venetian blind. <sighs> It's not a great stadium. Let's it's be really honest. Not. I mean, I'm a Giant fan. Anthony's a Giant fan. Here, here's the way. I, I know this is a hockey podcast, but since we're talking about MetLife Stadium, Taylor Swift is selling out an air conditioner this weekend. That, right. That's what that's what's the, happening. The thing is, is they got screwed by having a, a venue for two teams. But I don't know why you couldn't come up with something that was unique to New York. But the reason for the Venetian blinds is because they can flick a light it blue when the Devils when the Giants play, and then flick a light green when it's the Jets. I mean, but it doesn't have any personality. Um, it's just not It's not great. I mean, for New York, for the money that they spent on it, it there's, there's nothing unique. You couldn't find something kind of New York-ish. I mean, when I go to a, a Viking game, I f- it feels like I'm walking onto an, an arc because they're the Vikings, right? And I go to Atlanta. I go to Dallas. I mean, those buildings are tremendous. They're fantastic. And this is whatever. But but here's the here's what I said when they built it. Because, Anthony, believe it or not, just to be that guy, I defended MetLife for a while. Just because Michael didn't like it, and I thought it was good radio. And, that was nice and I, of you. And I was defensive about about it. 
Um, because the, the, the way I kind of feel about talk radio, especially with Michael K, is that if he believes in something, it's probably something I'm against. So it's not, uh, it's not hard to come up with a, a descending opinion. Um, but when I defended it, it was really just because it's football. Like, all, like in baseball, you've got to give me something else. I mean, the game's not going to be enough. All right, because it's 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 a baseball game. There's one of 81 home games. All right, so if I'm going to go to the stadium, if I'm going to go to a ballpark, you could probably have to give me something a little bit more than the game. So there's exotic foods, and there's a Hall of Fame, and there's a walk of this, and a bridge of that, and a wall of that. Like you got to do something. I'm going to the ballpark. And, you know, up until this year when they changed the rules, the game's going to last four hours. The game could be ten nothing, but I want to be able to at least enjoy. So give me an apple in the park. Lot. Give me the uh, the Babe Ruth bat. You know, like, give me something that I could take a picture in front of to say that I was there. Same thing with hockey and basketball. There's 41 home games. You're going to have to give me a little bit more than just the game, especially if the team isn't good. But in football, it, you, you, the game's enough. There's only there's only eight now, possibly nine home games. You know, it's it's only once a week. You're in. I'm going to the game. I don't need to be entertained. I don't need to have the world's greatest steak sandwich. I don't need to go to walk around some Hall of Fame. I don't need to to go look at the I don't know the biggest uh, the biggest football ever. Right? Whatever stupid thing that they're going to always put together to try to get people to go because it's football. What does it matter? They can play in a parking lot. You'll get eighty thousand people to look in the parking lot and watch the game being played. But that said, it's a it's a it's a garbage stadium, and both organizations should be absolutely embarrassed that it represents their home. Now, let's go to you at Don Lagreca hashtag game misconduct. Tim McHale says nothing make nothing has made sense this entire postseason, and I love it. Can you speak of the level of parity in the league that we're finally seeing? There is no more usual suspects than it comes to wins anymore. This is the best the league has ever been. It's great. It's a great question. I wanted to bring this up on the K show too. Um, is do you like? The old days were like like you look at the NBA, right? Where you kind of knew for years. All right, it's gonna be Cleveland, Golden State. You know, you, it, there's three, four teams that have a chance to win. Nobody else does. Let's go at it. And you kind of you kind of built up to try to become those teams, right? That's what you were hoping to do. Is they they set the gold standard and you tried to become that, and then eventually you become that, and you're that for a while, and then somebody else takes over. Do you like that, or do you like the fact that heck anybody could win? And the anybody can win philosophy to me is is better because that gives everybody a chance to believe i i got i was in i was in sunrise on new year's day new year's day the same year we're in 2023 the first day of 2023 if you had told me that the florida panthers who were out of a playoff spot significantly out of a playoff spot was going to be in a Stanley Cup final, I, I would have been rolling over laughing, not being able to comprehend it. Now, that'd be silly on my part, because if you go back to 2019, who was the last team in the league on New Year's Day? The St. Louis Blues. And they end up winning the Stanley Cup. So now it's starting to set to where you watch hockey, you could look at it and go, well, the regular season doesn't mean anything. Anybody can win. Yeah, that's that's an old man get off my lawn take. But if you want to look at it from the sheer entertainment take, is is that, hey, my team's my team's in twelfth place in the conference, five points out of a playoff spot. We're probably going to be seller buyers and uh, sellers instead of buyers of the deadline. 
to where, hey, maybe I can be the 2023 Florida Panther. Maybe I can be the 2019 St. Louis Blues. Maybe I can be the 2012 Los Angeles Kings. And maybe I can get hot or make a trade or have something happen that just gets me in the playoffs and then I can go on a run. Now, obviously, you'd always rather be the Boston Bruins. You'd always rather be the Vegas Golden Knights and win your conference because you get home ice advantage and you know you're going to the playoffs. But what it does is in certain markets, you could say to yourself, hey, that could that could be me. And also what it does is you hope, and, and maybe this will wake the Dallas Mavericks up in the NBA when they see what the Miami Heat have been able to do, and what the Los Angeles Lakers were able to do, and say, well, instead of tanking for a pick, maybe just get in and win a couple of rounds and, and, and maybe maybe shock the world. So I think that's probably better overall for the league. So, Tim, I agree with you. Donnell says, hey, Don, have you heard about the wonderful news of Tuesday that next year there is going to be a stadium series? Yes, we talked about that um, and my thoughts on it, and I think it's great. Um, I don't mean to blow off your your tweet, but we just basically covered all of that. Uh, David Hines says, regarding the whole Panthers may be the worst team to win a Stanley Cup tweet, I find it hard to believe this Panthers team could be the worst to possibly do it when they won playoff series against three of the top four teams in the East. That said, since this user had Leafs in their name, he's talking about the tweet, it's worth pointing out. If he believes this, then it's basically admitting the very team he roots for wasn't good enough. That said, I'd say the worst is the 06 Hurricanes beating the eight-seed Oilers squad in in 2000, or beating them in seven. That was back in 2006. Yeah, what, what he's alluding, what David's alluding to, in case you missed it, is that I, I was back and forth with a Leaf fan who was saying that the Florida Panthers could be the worst team ever to win the Stanley Cup if they win it. And my argument was, what about the 93 Canadians? What about the 06 Hurricanes? Um, based upon where they were in the regular season and who they had to beat in the playoffs. Um, the reason the Panthers are not in the conversation is because look at the teams they beat. Now, the Boston Bruins won the President's Trophy. Well, the President's Trophy winner usually struggles. Okay. Uh, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs never win a playoffs here. Okay. Well, you got that. But then Carolina who's won the Metropolitan Division back-to-back years, had the second-best record in the NHL, beat them. So now you, you couple all that together and you say, oh, my God. And if they win the Stanley Cup against Vegas, Vegas was the one seed in the West. So you can make the case that, there, that I don't think there's anybody that has had a tougher road to a Stanley Cup than Florida. So that exempts them from being the worst team ever. Just ignore the eight seed. Um, Bobby says, at this point, do Kachuk and Bobrovsky have a good enough case to win the Conn Smythe, um, to win the Conn Smythe, even if Florida loses? And who would be your pick of the two right now? Well, listen, Bobrovsky is deserving, but Kachuk, his timely goals, the number of points that he has, I would probably give the nod to Kachuk, but I wouldn't be mad if it ended up being Bobrovsky. But it just feels like a chook. And I, and I think a lot can happen in the Stanley Cup final to determine it between the two of them. I would think, right, Anthony, Eichel would probably be the guy for Vegas if they won, especially if he had a big Stanley Cup final. So I think it's kind of tough. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, but let, 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 let's say this. Let's say, you know, Vegas wins in seven. Uh, Kachuk and Bobrovsky are not that great. Uh, and Eichel does nothing. Or no, no, excuse me. Uh, Kachuk, uh, Kachuk and Eichel, uh, Kachuk and Bobrovsky are great. 
Vegas wins in seven. Eichel doesn't doesn't have a point. Um, it, it's it's a bunch of like you know goals from Brett Howden and Carlson and Marsha Show. You know, that, could it happen? Yeah, I saw it happen in two thousand three when J.S. Shiger won the Conn Smythe, uh, when the Devils won the Stanley Cup. Um, that would that would have to be the case. But I, I would think. Listen, I, I can't see Vegas winning if Eichel doesn't have some sort of an impact. So if Eichel has an impact, he'll probably win it. But there, there is the possibility of that. Joe says, hey, Don LaGreca, I think hockey, especially in the playoffs, is where team cohesiveness and matchups matter most. One group pulling in the same direction, it makes the cup the hardest of all to win. Thoughts? Yeah, listen, everybody needs to come together. I, I think one of the fallacies is, is all you just need is a hot goalie, a hot goal scorer, and you're going to be able to win. There's going to have to be other guys to contribute. And, and as much as Kachuk has been good, there's been a ton of guys there. You know, where would they be early in the playoffs if it wasn't for some of those big goals from Verhage? Where would they be without the, the play of Montour? Um, so it's never just about one guy. It's never about just one goalie and one hot goal scorer. That, that's eventually going to get exposed. But the one thing I do agree with you, that it is ultimately a team sport. It's the teams that can roll four lines. And, you know, you don't have the ability to take your best players and put them out there for 60 minutes. There's going to be moments where your third defensive pairing, your fourth line is going to be out there in a big spot and are going to have to come up big. Now, they may not produce points, but maybe it's a block shot. Maybe it's a big penalty kill. You know, maybe it's just a big clear that doesn't necessarily show up in the box score, but contributed to the victory. So I'm with you. Like in the NBA, you're going to get to crunch time and you're going to have your same, you know, five, six guys you're going to rely on to get you through. Um, in, in football, it's all about the quarterback and it's about, you know, the defense coming up with a big stop. Um, you know, baseball, whoever just happens to be up at that particular moment. But in hockey, everything, everybody's going to have to work. You're going to be rolling. The best teams are going to be able to roll four lines, roll three defensive pairs. And usually the teams that can't do that are the teams that get exposed. So I think that, that certainly um, tells you that I'm in agreement with you. Um, Sir Harvey Cruz chimes in. The Carl Anthony possible jersey retirement has me thinking. Which player's number of any era would you like to see retired and is overdue? Hmm. You know what I wanted to ask you, Anthony? Hi, Don. As a, as a Ranger fan. Sure. Why have the New York Rangers, in your opinion, completely ignored a, 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 a complete era of their sport, of, the, of their team? Okay. Like, they, don't, they don't honor you know, the Cooks. And, and the Boucher, the, the Frank Boucher's, or like they, they don't. Why, why don't they do that? I don't know. You would think that an original six team would want to do something like that. Yeah, um, the, 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 obviously Montreal and Toronto. You go to they, they were you know Howie Morenz's numbers retired. Like it just feels like the Rangers don't really count anything until they get to the sixties. Well, they started in nineteen twenty six. They won cups. You know, during those eras, like there's not one member of the 1940 team whose number hangs in the rafters. Yeah, I wonder why I, I don't that under, is. I don't understand it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but they are selective. I'll well, say that. I, well, I, I guess the reason is that it's a relatively new phenomenon, right? Like, what was the first retired number at the Garden for a Ranger? Was it was it uh, was it uh, Roger Bear? Jacquemin somewhere in that era, right? Because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't retire Harry Howell until the early two thousands. 
You know, said so I was a player from the '60s. Bathgate, same thing. Um, so, I, I guess let, let's face it. If you decide, it, it, Anthony, as, as yeah, cool Joe Bear, '79. Yeah. So, so before 1979, the only numbers that they could have retired are from guys that were from you know. If if, if let's say if if they if they decided to have Bill and Bun Cook night at the Garden next year. A lot of I chef's mean, hats. Nobody would know what the hell you're talking about. Like, and I guess that's kind of their fault because they didn't cultivate that. Unless you're a diehard fan, that kind of goes back in the day. But um, yeah, but so I wish those guys would be honored in, in some way, shape, or form. They were they were important pieces to to bringing hockey to New York, selling the sport to all those fans. If not for those teams, then you wouldn't have been able to build up the fan base to where it is today. So that kind of answers that question there. Um, you know, if you look at the local teams, right, the Devils, is there a player that you wished number could be retired? Uh, I, I think they've done a good job with Stevens, Niedermeyer, Brodeur, Eliash, and Danico. Is there somebody else? I know that there was actual conversation, it never happened, of retiring Chico's number one, Chico Resch. The, the, the logic behind it was because he was their first star. Right when when the Devils came to New Jersey, he was the recognizable guy because he won a cup with the Islanders and 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 he had been in Philadelphia, so some of the fans in South Jersey might gravitate. Um, that was, but that was that was batted around, but but never really con, uh, confirmed. I, I think the Devils have done a good job. Islanders, I think, have done a pretty good job too. Maybe they were a little late to the party with some of the guys that took so long to retire, um, and then you, you start going to other teams and. You know that would really be up to those fan bases to decide that, but it's a good question. And and if you're listening and you want to get into that, if there's if there's a number you think deserves to be retired, then uh, then send it out to me. Uh, Sean says the Leafs call you. Uh, they say you can either be either the general manager or the coach. Which role are you taking, and who are you picking to fill the other role? Oh, <laughs> what a great question! Wow. I'll tell you what. You know, the easier job is probably the head coach because there's a lot of things they've got to decide there with their players. I mean, what do they do with Austin Matthews? I mean, there's like legitimate talk that they, he could he's going to be gone after next year. And, and what a shame because there's just so much money they've got to juggle around because there's so many players with big contracts. I would probably rather be the coach than a general manager. And who would I pick as my general manager? Like, who's out there that I'd say, I think he'd be a wonderful general manager? How about EJ Raddick? He's a tremendous guy. He was a come on. for the Dallas Stars. If you've listened Stars. to this podcast, you knew that was the answer. Yeah, come on. That would, that would be my guy. That, that would be who I would choose. But but if I wanted to go with somebody with some experience that kind of knows knows the ropes, there is a guy. I don't know if I ever. I don't know if I ever told you this um this story, Anthony. If I, did, I love I stories. Apologize. It's one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. So I'm at the Garden. I'm doing a Ranger game. And Joe Micheletti comes up to me before the game. He says, "Listen, um, are you gonna are you coming with us to Toronto?" And I happen to be going there. Usually, I fly in late because I got to do the Michael K show. But this was like a Friday night, and then go to Toronto for Saturday. So I'm familiar with the show, team. right? Well, they, but the audience may not be. I'm That's not just exactly telling you. Point. I'm telling everybody. Oh, okay. We're still recording, right? He didn't stop it. No, no. Uh, as far as I know. So, um, so he's like, we, we have a dinner every every year um, in Toronto. And we love you to be able to to, um, to be a part of it. And I'm like, oh my god, I'd, I'd be honored to go. That'd be great. So um, it's um, it's a bunch of people that get invited. It was um, 
John Shannon, who worked at the NHL Network. He, he's you he know him on Sportsnet. Um, he's a he's an insider. Um, there is um, Hodge from the CBC, um, and Jim Schoenfeld was there. John Ginone, Joe Micheletti, Sam Rosen. I'm name dropping, and Glenn Sather is at the dinner. So I'm having dinner with Glenn Sather. And Glenn, Glenn is, you may not think this, he's a very captivating individual. Like, he's somebody that doesn't do a lot of interviews, doesn't really, like, he doesn't strike you as somebody that is very boisterous and have a lot to say, but he did. He, he does. And in certain situations among certain people where he feels comfortable, he'll, he'll, he'll talk. So, so he decides just out of nowhere, Anthony. He, it was when Montreal was looking for a general manager. Um, and he's like, all right, let's go around the room. Who should be the next general manager of the Montreal Canadiens? Go. And he starts pointing to people. And at that time, the conventional wisdom was Patrick Waugh. So everybody's saying Patrick Waugh. A couple of people said other names that were available at that particular time. And then he gets to me. And I'm like, this is a big moment. Like, I don't want to just go ahead and be like everybody. Oh, Patrick Waugh. I want to, I want to leave an impression. Well, this was somebody that had been an assistant general manager at the time in in, in Tampa, and he bounced around a little bit as an executive, and I got to know him when he played for the New Jersey Devils, and I was friendly with him, and I was like, I I think he'd be good, and he also can speak French, which is obviously a prerequisite for a job like that. So I threw out Claude Loisel, and everybody looked, and Glenn's like, Wow, that's a that's a that's a good one. I I, I don't know if he's experienced that, but that's a good one. Like, so I was like, I won the I won the room. I was like, wow, I came up with a guy. Now he never got the job, and he's never gotten a GM job. But I felt pretty good that I actually um was able to uh, get that. That's really cool. Yeah, it was it was also really cool that we also got lost, couldn't find our hotel, and to actually see Glenn. There there were women lined up to get into a club. And you know how certain like women are that they don't want to wear coats because then they don't want to have to drag the coat into the club. So these are women that are all in their club clothes, freezing because it's like zero outside in Toronto. They're waiting online so they don't have to carry their coat. So they're sitting there shivering. And it was just it was a funny sight to see Glenn say they're like asking them directions back to the hotel. I thought that was it. like I don't know if they knew who he was, but it was just interesting with a cigar hanging out of his mouth asking these. Uh, these 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 club women, if uh, how could we get back uh, to the hotel? But it was just a, that was I just thought that was a kind of funny story. So uh, you know what? I'm going to say Claude Loisel. I don't know what he's doing right now. I, I lost track of where uh, he's been. But you, you take a look at some of the general managers now. What Pat Verbeek is doing and uh, Steve Eiserman. Like this, so many former players are getting an opportunity to just bypass coaching and jump right into the general manager spot, which is a tough thing to do because it's not just about juggling. Um, players, it's also having to deal with a salary cap, which would probably blow my mind, just being able to balance all that money and what works and what doesn't work and circumventing the cap and all that stuff. There takes a certain level of expertise that as much as you might know hockey, they probably don't know that. So you'd probably have to bring along a capologist with you or something like that. So, All right, we digress, but we're having fun just talking hockey, me and Anthony. We enjoy that. Um, so for, so Monday we'll hopefully hook back up with uh, no not Monday because Monday's Memorial Day so let's reconvene on Tuesday and then we'll kind of go from there so 
What's Tuesday? Tuesday is the 30th, so we might be on the eve of the Stanley Cup final starting or at least close. So if there is a there's obviously a game 5 tomorrow, so Monday would be game 6. So we're either going to be previewing the Stanley Cup final or talking about uh you know what just happened um in with the game 7 the the um or let's see Saturday yeah, then we'll be talking about uh, a possible Game 7. So let, let's reconvene on Tuesday. Want to get in touch with me? In the meantime, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct is the best way to do that. And um, enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Have fun. We'll reconvene on Tuesday. Enjoy what little hockey we have left. I'll talk to you again then. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.